Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Today is Friday, July 23rd, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 418 featuring Mass Live's Brian Robb is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for 50% sign-up bonus. What's up, everyone? Offseason continues in the NBA for the Celtics and now for everybody else in the wake of the first time in a long, long time, 50 years, NBA champions, the Milwaukee Bucks, taking out the Phoenix Suns in six games. We'll get into that just a little bit, a little bit later on. Congrats to Giannis, Milwaukee, and everybody else who has any sort of stories that go back to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This is Celtics Beat. I'm Adam Kaufman and Valenti here, as always, and Brian Robb. And I, I, I tell you what, B-Rob, I mean, that in and of itself. I, I feel like any time that I say Brian Robb is with us, Mass Live, obviously, I I, I I start to trip over myself because I'm just, I, I'm not used to calling you Brian ever in the years that I've known. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, you're not alone on that front. Um, so, but whatever, you can call me whatever you want, Adam. Does your wife call you B-Rob? Absolutely not. No. Okay. All right. So she, she's locked in with Brian. She's not mad when other people call you up, but she's yeah. locked in with Brian. So the family is generally locked in with Brian. Everyone else, it's a it's a free for all. Your your young child, too young to be talking, obviously. But are we building toward instead of dad, be rum, just to like be in unison with everyone, or you want to stick with like dad or daddy? You know, go with the conventional norm. Yeah, we'll probably start with dad, but I don't know. The people on Twitter are excited about Z Rob immediately. Oh, the, the possibility is like there. So there, so like that, that that will probably organically happen. <laughs> <laughs> out of the gate um but um it, exactly that the people were already on top of that from i got like five texts from people immediately when we told them and they come back z rob so there so <laughs> did uh, that ever occur to you like at, at the time you know going going through the naming process or was it that first text that you got no it never occurred to me it well i would say that my buddy texted me as i was saying yeah we're not sure we're gonna go names like all right make sure you do it with so uh, it works with it's like be a blank Rob. Yeah, it's got to be. A, yeah, like, yeah, he 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 was like I was like that had no factor in it. But someone, one of my friends, one of my BC buddies, Corey, did text me be like, make sure you do that. That's really important for the name. <laughs> it's really important for this kid's future. Yeah, exactly. Continuity. Like, nice continuity. easy nickname. <laughs> Look, Nick, you can get stuck with a terrible nickname. Like we've we've all you know been there at some point in life. He's you know like really just sort of born into a good situation. Exactly. So it was not a factor. It worked out. It worked out well. And we'll see. We'll see how if it, if it sticks in the long run. But for now, um, we're just hoping that he he sleeps and eats. So one, one step at a time here. There you go. Yeah, we get to all the fun stuff a little bit later on out after that. Keep him young and, and safe and growing and all that good stuff. Exactly. Obviously, <laughs> B-Rob from not not just Mass Live, 98.5 The Sports Hub does some work over there. You all know him from uh, within CLNS here, the Winning Plays podcast that he does. Uh, I mean, I, I see him more and more with Rich Levine. Michael Pena is still part of this thing, right? He is um, officially, but he's 
he's a busy man at Sports Illustrated. So we were lucky when we get him because um, he's doing great stuff there too right now. But yep, it's uh, you can always check us out there. We usually record on Thursdays um, if you want to check us out. Well, I mentioned the sports hub and uh, that it, it makes me think back to when we were last in touch, which was not long ago in last, I don't know, week or two anyway. And I'm, I'm driving around and I'm, I, I hear you, you're on with Tim McCone. You guys are, just, I pop it on, you guys are talking Celtics and it's like, all right, and stick around for a little while. And, uh, and, and you guys are, are exploring what, I mean, what, what I think for most, including yourselves, like you guys weren't trying to, it's perfect talk radio fodder or, or podcast fodder, because there's just, there's just no universe in which this happens. Even if like you can make the math work, it just, there's no way, but you guys were talking about the possibility. All right, well, let's say it's Tatum and they, they trade away uh, Jalen Brown in, you know, to Portland, they get Dame, they make that work. You know, Bradley Beal wants out. He finds a way here. And all of a sudden you got this three headed monster of Beal and Lillard and Tatum and absolutely nothing around them. I mean, it like could be the three of us filling out the roster, but, (laughs) but is there, I mean, any universe, any galaxy that you think something like that or hell, quite frankly, even one other superstar, let's just, I mean, let's play it back to reality where it's Lillard Beal or somebody else. One other guy joins this team this offseason. Just how big is Brad Stevens aiming? For this offseason, I think there's no real legitimate chance of that. Barring Beal or Lillard going, saying I, not just saying I want out the trade demand, but saying I want to go to Boston, essentially, or giving a list of teams where Boston is the clear team that has the most to give up in that scenario. But realistically, Portland... Neil O'Shea there is just hired Billups is trying to save his job. And I don't think ownership or anyone else in Portland is going to be happy to say, okay, we just hired a new coach. Now let's trade away the franchise and Lillard before at least seeing if Billups can turn things around there. I think ultimately he is going to have to trade him. It's just not going to happen this off season. And the same situation with Beal. I mean, they had, you know, they would have, they quote unquote made the playoffs last year. Um, great. Uh, but beyond that, like they have a new coach there as well. Uh, and with Scotty Brooks out the door finally. And so you, you, you think there that he has one year left and could he push his way out midway through the season? Quite possibly. Um, could he, but he still has an extra year to, you know, a player option on top of that. So there's no huge rush for him to get out now. I feel like, so I think with both those guys, you're, you're going to be hearing the buzz around. I mean, it's been around for Beal forever, but I think it's going to, whatever happens with Lillard, I think it's going to take a while. And so that's going to linger throughout next season for both of those guys. And realistically, I think Beal is the clear, obvious, um, more likely scenario, just given his age and relationship with Tatum um, and uh, the assets it would take to get him, I think would cost far more to get loaded. Obviously you'd have to give up Brown to do that. And I'm, we'll see if, if Brad Stevens is interested in, you know, entertaining any offers for Jalen Brown from anyone, but I think certainly, with Lillard, with especially with the Celtics track record of signing point guards in their late twenties to thirties in the last few years, like, gone really well. Gone really well there. So we're going so trading away your twenty four year old wing for that, like it, it's probably just not going to happen. Not to mention that poor guy coming in just knowing he's going to get hurt. Yes, <laughs> with, with something chronic, like right. not even just a lingering like oh your hamstring. Literally career like debilitating yeah. type stuff here. Yeah. 
I mean, if it's not a knee or a hip or what, yeah, like good, good luck to you. I mean, stay away, stay away from the point guard, starting point guard position for the Boston Celtics. If you are a even budding superstar, top five MVP getter or whatever. But if you remember, we had David Aldridge on the show uh, a few weeks ago, a month ago, whatever it was. And we asked him about the Beal situation. You remember what he said? Yeah, he ain't going anywhere. He's too way too loyal to that team, that fan base, and then just wouldn't count on it right now. Maybe, maybe when he's a free agent, but, but I, I'm, I'm looking at, I don't mean to bring the, the Lakers into this, but I'm, I'm actually like secretly hoping the Lakers do that weird floated around sign and trade of like Schroeder, Taylor Horton Tucker and Kuzma for Westbrook, where I'm like, yeah, go ahead and do that and piss off Bradley Beal. So he wants to get out of there ASAP and go hang out with Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown in Boston. That's like, I, I'm, I, I've always pushed back against the idea of, of Bradley Beal coming to Boston while keeping Jalen Brown on the team. I've always said that was kind of, I mean, it's a pipe dream. It's possible. Look, people are like, oh, it's not possible. Look, KD, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving all play on the same team. Don't tell me it's not possible. It's possible. It's just very, very unlikely. It would take a very special set of circumstances to happen, just like it happened for Brooklyn, right? You know, basically, you know, Harden wants out and is like, yeah, I'll go to either – I'll go to Brooklyn because that's where my buddies are. Yeah, um, and Philly. so the, the bidding war really doesn't exist except out of Philly and Philly doesn't want to give up Maxi or, or like Tybalt to get. Remember, to get remember they didn't want to give up Simmons for him. Oh, it's <laughs> How just, do you feel about that now? Yeah. Right. Like everybody wants to clown Danny Ainge for stuff. And I, I get that, but like so many other teams could have traded for James Harden or Kyle Lowry this year and mm-hmm. maybe had a stand at a title and, and, and nobody wants to talk about that. But anyway, I'm very, I'm very like locked into the, the Lakers finding a way to get Russell Westbrook to make Bradley Beal upset. So Bradley Beal asks out. And again, like B Rob said with the Lillard stuff, like I will only go to Boston or only go to uh, Boston or, or uh, name three other teams that have like Sacramento or, you know, just teams that aren't going to obviously, you know, do it. So, um, Course, I, I, I just hope that Beal even wants to play with Westbrook. And I'm, and I'm not saying there's any reason to believe otherwise, except, you know, Durant really didn't by the end. Harden didn't really in Houston. Now, like I don't know, maybe maybe Beal, maybe that wouldn't upset Beal. I mean, we don't, we don't, we have no idea of knowing that. But I mean, like, the fact yeah. that they made the playoffs, I think, was a good thing. You know, mm-hmm. Brad Beal got to get some some run in the playoffs against uh, a Philly team that was you know tough for them, obviously with just way too much firepower. Um, and he got a little taste of that. And then the unfortunate part is like the the recruiting that Jason Tatum could have done in Tokyo is now just gone. Um, and he can't. I don't think along. that applies to Beal, though. What? Well, because they're such good friends. Yeah, they're already tight. Like yeah. they, they'd already love to play together. Yeah. And and I'm. But you could I, see it on the court. Like you could actually see it in like. Yeah, you could really see matter. how it works, or if it doesn't work, that's yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So I mean that that pipe dream kind of went away, and you know the fact that you get. But this is what happens, right? Like they talked about uh, LeBron and Wade and Bosch talked about how they this, the team USA was mm-hmm. the catalyst for them to to build something, and and. You got to, Tatum's the only guy going there thinking, hey, you know, let's figure out a way to make this work. But I'm sure other, you know, other guys are trying to figure out ways to make their teams better as well. But, you know, I'm, I'm just very anti trading Jalen Brown, like for the most part. I mean, unless it's a real, I mean, outside of one of the top 10 players in the league. And, you know, in Dame certainly is in that category. And even with Dame, because the, the finances just make not a lot of sense to me. Um, I'm just very anti-trading Jalen Brown. I think he's he's shown us every single season that he is going to get better at something, 
And like this past season, he was an absolute nightmare in transition. I think he was top three in transition points in the league. Um, he's a much better passer and much more willing passer. He sees things much better now. Um, you know, he's, his defense, you know, comes and goes, but when he locks it in, he's awesome. And, and I want to see what Udoka does with him. I, I really want to see what a new, uh, head coach does for Jalen Brown. So I'm, I'm very anti B-Rob trading Jalen Brown pretty much for anybody at this point. But B-Rob, on top of that, like with Lillard anyway, and, and I agree with everything Evan said, and, and I want you to expand upon that, but with Lillard, Lillard's on the wrong side of 30. So even if you can make the case to trade away Jalen Brown, age comes into play. Like you want a guy who's in his, you know, mid to late 20s, you know, like sort of worst case scenario. You don't want a guy who's already sort of over that line where you're just playing for the now because the now Lillard isn't enough. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, if you get – any team that goes after Lillard, you're immediately pushing everything into win-now mode. And that's not, I mean, that's not a huge problem in the sense they have. Tatum is also ready to win now. He's in his prime. But do you have enough pieces left around him to do that for if you're the Celtics or any other team when you bring that into play? Because the window there, when you're 31, you know, we, we, we've we seen how quickly things can go poorly in the 30, with, with whether an injury hits or just, you know, a guy like Horford who – you know, was productive, but was clearly starting to lose it a little bit at the end of that contract, which is the reason why they didn't want to sign him for $100 million in the first place um, a few years ago, or two years ago, I should say. So, yeah, there's no question that's why the – I do think that, like, the Tatum-Lillard court could be good enough to get you to the finals with the right pieces around them in the next year or two, but then what happens after that? Because that's a pretty short window, whereas opposed to with Tatum and Brown, if you start building towards, you know – that group together with the new coach and building better supporting cast around them, that could be a much longer runway. And I think, you know, Brad Stevens is in the business of, you know, launcher playing as this whole team has been throughout this, you know, they've tried to at least, you know, set themselves up for the long term here that, you know, made some mistakes along the way, obviously the last couple of years and trying to do so. But I think that is no doubt going to be a priority. But when you look at all these guys like Beal, Lillard guys, like, you know, of course they're going to say they're loyal, right? Like everyone's like, who would have thought Lillard's like the most loyal guy in the NBA as of, you know, six months ago. And then we, we see what happens. If, if, if you're on a team that just has no way to contend, you're only going to be loyal to a point. Mm-hmm. And, and even the guys that have been around forever, like Pierce, like starts career here. Like he was probably going to be out unless they made those moves in like 2006. So that's we, for all these guys now, like things can change quickly. And so um, we know what Lillard's situation is. And I expect Beal unless things somehow go really well in Washington in the first few months of next season, which, I mean, I don't expect them to, given what they have to work with on that team. You know, those guys are going to be in play as the next stars on the move, probably. Now, I kind of turned Evan's question into Lillard there. So going back to what Evan was talking about, do you agree with what he was saying, that that Brown is not, you know, it, you hesitate to put the untouchable label on a guy, but that he's borderline, like that, that there are just so few guys in the league you would be willing to trade that player, that man, that contract, that age, that everything that goes into the Jason Tatum package, that, that there's another appealing option out there for you. Yeah, he's certainly not untouchable, but no one that is probably available that you would trade him for is what it comes down to. Because when you look at Jalen Brown's career right now, there's a couple of things that stick out to me about him from A, you know, improving every year pretty consistently. Um, from the shooting to, you know, last year, you know, the ball handling and, you know, kind of creating for himself and the passing is coming along. He still has a long way to go on that front, but, you know, that improvement's there. And number two, he's someone, him and Tatum are both guys that they show up in the postseason. 
they put up legit numbers year after year where a lot of guys, you just see a huge drop off. It's like, look at like the Utah jazz, like year after year, why do they fall apart in the second round? It's because like their role guys or quote unquote, some of their stars is don't have it for the playoff level. Like Brown and Tatum have shown like they can, they can at least match the production against on this stage. And Tatum did it by himself against a super team. And, you know, pretty much won him a game against one of the best offenses ever. Yeah. Nothing around him in that game three. So um, when you have guys like that, you have, to, and in the case of Brown, who's on a below max deal. Um, yes. You, you think you, you're not trading him unless you're getting a top 15, top 20 guy um, who has some long-term control attached to him. And like we talked about, there's just, very few of those, like those guys are just not going to be available themselves. Right. I mean, Lillard's the, the, the weird exception. And I just want to also make this point. You're probably going to need Jalen Brown and someone else to really compete here. Like mm-hmm. if you get Lillard and, you, and look, look, if you build the perfect team around Lillard and Tam, because I think they would find a way to make that work. I mean, there's just two guys that are unbelievably good at scoring. But if you just have those two guys and a bunch of little guys around them, like are you going to be able to hang with Brooklyn? Not totally positive. Are you going to be able to hang around with Milwaukee in seven games? And I'm not trying to say that, you know, Dame wouldn't be able to hang around, but you saw what Eric Bledsoe did to, to Chris Paul and Devin Booker and wear those two guys down throughout the series. And it's not about, you know, I mean, I don't, he was, you know, little Eric Bledsoe-esque on offense, but he was such a game changer defensively for them that it wore down Phoenix's depth, essentially, where campaigns playing like real minutes. Um, so it's just, I, I'm just not convinced that getting Damian Lillard in place of Jalen Brown actually gives them a better chance. I think you would need both guys, which what brings you to Beal. Like, you would need Beal and Jalen and Jason to go against the three-headed Brooklyn Monster, which I believe still would have won the and would have won the title easily if they were all healthy, and they almost beat Milwaukee anyway with the hobbled squad that they had. So, you know, you gotta you're gonna have to have more than one guy in more than two guys to really, really compete. And even with that, even with no major move, like Fournier coming back gives them a little depth and, you know, maybe Marcus takes a jump up and maybe they get some more stuff. Like they obviously have moves to make because they obviously don't have scoring, but taking away your second, you know, the second best leading scorer um, and and adding something else in terms of points, like that's just not going to do it altogether. You're going to have to do more than that. And that's why, again, I love Damian Lillard. I was, one of the few guys that was like, Kyrie's better than Dame, and then watched a lot of Dame stuff. I'm like, no, nah, I think Dame's actually better than Kyrie. I think I made a mistake on that. Um, he is truly one of the best 10 players in the league. I just don't, I'm not quite sure if just having two guys like that gets you, gets you enough. You have to have depth. I mean, that's what this whole postseason was about, right? The healthier team, the deeper teams went to the NBA finals. So, you know, if any, any injury happens to any, either Dame, who, again, we've talked about the, the point guard history with Boston recently, you know, survey says those guys are going to get hurt. And, you know, you don't have enough depth around those guys to really compete. So, I, I, again, I, I love Damian Lillard. I'm not trying to say that I wouldn't want him on the, the Boston Celtics. I just don't think it works logistically with, with the roster they have, the cap structure that they currently are fighting right now, and the, the landscape of the Eastern Conference doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Can't disagree with any of that. Appreciate that. No, I, <laughs> I, I'm just something we were talking about a little bit last week, and and it relates obviously to what you guys are talking about right now. And that's if I don't believe, like the question was last week, you know, the Celtics chasing the Bucks, 
uh, as opposed to say the Nets or the Sixers or a team, you know, it's like, are, do we have to elevate the Bucks? And they hadn't even won the championship at that point. Do we have to elevate the Bucks, you know, to a level we didn't think they necessarily were just because Giannis is just getting better and better and better. And he's so absurd and was so great in these playoffs and so great in the finals and all of it. And, and I think while, while I hesitate to say the Celtics are specifically chasing the Bucks, you look at, at what we saw in this finals in particular, or in the playoffs in general, for that matter, you know, include guys that, that weren't even, you know, really relevant in the finals, like a, like a Dante DiVincenzo, something like that. You look at the Celtics roster, you know, you can make the case that in like in a perfect world, a series goes really well. You know, you're like your players play at the level they're supposed to play at as, as we've seen historically in the playoffs for Tatum and Brown, you can make the case that in, in Tatum and Brown, you have something teetering on a, a Giannis and Middleton. You know, you have that ceiling. You have that potential. You don't have a holiday. You don't have a Portis, probably. You know, you know I'm, I don't think you have a Tucker unless, you know, like Tristan Thompson were to turn into one of those guys. And I don't see it. And Al Horford, certainly not one of those guys. You know, you, you don't, you know, and, and like, whatever Lopez I don't think that Brooke Lopez is all that good like Jeff Teague obviously notwithstanding but like Connaughton do you I think you could probably have a Connaughton on this roster right now but Holiday is kind of the difference maker in 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 really separating these teams and think what you want about Drew Holiday you know who only had one maybe two good overall games in the finals but all of them he was consistently good defensively so many of us and I'm included laughed at Milwaukee giving up the haul that it did to bring in Drew Holiday. It's like, this is the guy that's going to put you over the hump. But coupled with injuries and, you know, underperformances by other teams, he did. You know, he he was a bit, he was relevant. He was a big difference maker in the Seas. They don't have that guy. So, it like, it, it, I mean, is Evan Fournier going to be, be Drew Holiday? I, I mean, he wasn't. Not defensively. <laughs> no, it, yeah, I mean, he, he wasn't, he wasn't when, well, yeah, certainly not. But, but also, like, it. I mean, he didn't remotely resemble the guy he was in Orlando and COVID came into play and there were other factors and, you know, just changing teams midseason. the transition did not go well. That doesn't all of a sudden mean don't bring the guy back, but obviously it, it, it didn't go as, as Danny Ainge at the time would have envisioned, but how do you get to that next point? Who do you add? You know, is it something you wrote about earlier today for mass live, you know, the, the paths that you take, whether it's a, a sign and trade, whether it's obviously, you know, using one of those half dozen practically trade exceptions that they've cultivated so far, or just, you know, free agency in general, what, what is the, the, the missing link? Yeah, I think you do have to look closely at what the Bucks take. I think that is the path. Like you said, you have the, you have the core in place with Tatum and Brown, a lot of the, the Milton Giannis, you know, they're, obviously not as good as those guys at this point, but they could become that um, with Tim keeps his ascents to an MVP type level in the next couple of years. And then what the Bucks did is though, A, you can push your chips, poker chips in the middle of the table for the one star guy with first round picks, um, you know, any other emerging talent on the roster and try to find that guy, whether it's Bradley Beal, who's kind of forcing his way to where you or, you know, another guy that just isn't on the market right now. But the other big thing the Bucks did is they, they gave all that stuff and then they really hit on the fringes. Like Bryn Forbes for mm-hmm. minimum money. Bobby Portis came for the biannual. Hitting those 
you know, when you don't have much to spend in free agency, you have, and you want to contend right away, you have to find those right parts. And they were, they had enough around. And you know, like I said, content's a guy, he's not great, but he was someone you could trust in that playoffs and was able to film for DiVincenzo when he went down. So to have those guys in place along with the right veteran supporting cast members, and then have enough left over for one more trade in the middle of the season, a la PJ Tucker with, and to have that in place, that's, you have to hit everything. In the, and they did, and they got lucky. They got lucky with injuries too. Um, they got lucky with their draw and the Sixers collapsing in the second round. Um, but all those play, they had something, they got something from everyone during their postseason run in big games. And we're even, you know, we can make fun of Jeff Teague all we want to, but he had a big game six against the Hawks when Giannis was out, scored like 13 points in that game. Yeah, that was probably his one good game all postseason. But, you know, the Celtics just don't have those guys yet on the roster, haven't developed into yet. Can, can they be, can Payne Pritchard be a playoff performer? Can Aaron Neesmith be a playoff performer? Can Romeo Langford. Langford be a playoff? I mean, these are questions that are going to have to be answered next year. Um, we saw glimpses of that this past postseason, but that's not, it wasn't really, they weren't in roles that you'd expect them to be on a good team. They were having to do far too much since Boston probably had the worst bench of any team in the postseason last year, given the, all the injuries they had. But this next season is going to be about, okay, figuring it out for, for Udoka. Like, who can we trust in this team? Which of these young guys are going to take the step forward? Who fits around Brown and Tatum? And, you know, not mo- just amongst the young guys, but, you know, you know, Smart, Fournier, Rob Williams, Thompson. Like, all those guys aren't going to be around past next season. So you got to figure out who you want to – you like amongst that group and then figure out – figure it out around the fringes and – just the problem is the margin for error is is very small right now with that because you make a couple more mistakes. The talent drain has been of this team for the last two or three years. And so the front office with Brad Stevens at the helm here, you can't afford to miss again um, because then you're, you might be in a spot where you just don't have enough left over to, to get back to that level. Let's take a quick break. Tell you about our friends at bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Of course, baseball season and full swing playoffs really are not that far away in the grand scheme of things. You can track all the action at bet online football, right around the corner. You can get the latest odds, all your sports book needs, including of course, NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, uh, UFC, MMA, you name it. And they have odds for every Olympic basketball game for three on three and five-on-five action, the NBA draft. That's coming up next week as well. In fact, uh, a little less than a week from now at this point. Bet Online has you covered for all the over-under draft props for guys expected to land in the first round, where I remind you the Celtics do not currently have a first-round pick. Plus, already odds for the next year's NBA champion. The Celts are, at this moment, plus 3,300. If if you're a believer, baby, lay that cash. Real-time updated odds, props, almost anything that you can imagine as well. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds is the best way and the best place to place your bets. It's free to sign up. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online or to your laptop on uh, you can go on your laptop or mobile device. Take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus on that first deposit. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget, use the promo code at CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So as we continue on with B-Rob, you were just hitting, you know, t- talking about it with the Bucks, hitting on, on the fringes, hitting, you know, hitting on the outside. Who are the Celtics looking at as, you know, as, as you know, 
you know, to, to this point, be it, you know, r- reports that you've gotten wind of, things that your sources have told you. I know on Twitter, there's like Patty Mills and guys like that. You know, people have written about, I think Forsberg wrote, wrote about uh, Thomas Sadoransky at one point. Who should we be fixated on beyond the will they, won't they it, of, you know, re-signing Evan Fournier? It's a really good question, Adam, because I think you, if you start a point guard, in terms of is Marcus Smart your starting point guard or not? And that's you, you make a bunch of decisions based off of that. And so Smart, I think they have a pretty big decision to make now with him. You know, he's entering a contract year. Um, from right here, he wants an extension. Um, he wants to get paid. And he's clearly, he has heard his name in trade rumors for, for years now. And the, the front office clearly values him. We know how much Brad Stevens loves him. But you also have to figure out, you know, he's one of your best movable trade chips on the roster too. So do you bring him back in? And I mean, the odds are that you bring him back and you see what it looks like with, with um, your new head coach and, and let things play out. But um, if you don't think, you know, he's your point guard in the future, then you, you have to seriously consider moving him for, you know, another potential starter to put around Brown and Tatum. And so I think that could come in the form of another point guard that could come in the form of another wing. If you bring Fournier back and want to give him some, you know, ball handling duties, there too um but i think you start there and then i mean if you just decide hey we want smart to be our starting point guard then you might be okay i think maybe you spend not the mid-level on a point guard in that situation because you still have pritchard and so yeah you you take patty mills for the mid-level no question if udoga can recruit him here but if you only have six million dollars to spend there you might look at a different position on the roster so i think other guys, I'd, TJ McConnell's out there. I wonder if you you look for a pass-first guy in that spot just based on Tatum and Brown's mannerisms. And there are a couple guys in that mold. I think McConnell being chief among them. But beyond that, I look at trades. I look at guys that have length and defensive versatility that can fit around Brown and Tatum. Someone, you know, I know a guy like you know Kyle Anderson has been someone they've had an eye on for a while. Um, and you're not going to get them for free. You're going to have to go something good for them. But guys like that, whether they're free agents or expiring deals that can fit into a trade exception, I think those are the type of players that are going to keep coming up because it's going to depend on what those teams, whether it's Memphis or, you know, Chicago, like Saturancy, like what are their plans? Are those guys in their plans? Or are they going after different players and are suddenly going to be, have some expendable pieces to that aren't going to cost much in a trade, but those are the type of names I think you got to keep an eye on because, they fit in the budget and they can, you know, potentially be good fits around your core and also let you have the long-term flexibility. Because if you give out extensions to to Smart and Fournier and Rob Williams right now, then you're pretty locked in in terms of your long-term unless you can make a big trade for those guys. And I'm not sure you can feel great enough about those contracts to feel confident in order to do that. From ownership, Danny Ainge, who's – now consulting, I guess, you know, to obviously Brad Stevens. We know the organization loves Marcus Smart. Ime Odoka is drinking whatever's in the water there because he's already calling Smart a foundational piece and he hasn't coached him for a day other than obviously their time together with Team USA a couple years back. Do you believe what you just mentioned? Marcus Smart is this team's starting point guard or do you believe that they are looking to find someone else? It's not Peyton Pritchard that they're going to slide into that role so that Smart can continue to do what he does off the bench. I think the odds are heavily in favor of 
smart being that starting point guard to start the year. Um, Udok, we know he's a defensive first guy. So he's already talked about how much he likes smart. So I think that, you know, taking that away from him out of the gate, unless you have a, a really good alternative in this place, I think that'd be a tough sell uh, for your new head coach. And so I think he stays. I'd be, I would be surprised if they give him the extension though, too. Cause I do think right now heading into this, I expect them to kind of keep their options open, to be honest, um, for the long term. So they don't have to rush anything. They can kind of see what it looks like in a regular quote unquote season when you're not, you know, don't have COVID. I mean, who knows what things are going to look like in another couple months, but you know, it's at least going to be normal rest, a normal training camp. Um, you see how it looks under a new offensive scheme and everything like that. But I expect them to go with, with smart there unless, unless there's an offer that's on the table that gives them a guy that they know they can lock up long-term. I don't think you move smart right now, unless you have that guy. And I don't expect a deal like that to materialize right away. So um, that's, that's what I think they are with that, but I'd be shocked if we see a smart extension and, Again, unless it's a really team-friendly deal, same thing of Rob Williams because with the health situation and the long-term cap implications, I think you're going to see hesitant. It's, it makes sense for them to kind of play the waiting game there as opposed to commit the money right away and then potentially lose some options later. Yeah, I'm in on the Marcus Smart starting point guard experiment to start. I mean, I think um, my, my boy, not Nick Miller on Twitter, um, has numbers uh, when Smart plays with Tatum and Brown 13 points a game, six assists, 39% from three-point range, uh, 81, 82% from the free-throw line. I like those numbers. They're all encouraging. Marcus is a guy that I th- we all kill for shot selection sometimes, but I think he's learned a little bit more about moving the basketball. And sometimes when he's not on the floor, the basketball sticks a little bit too much. Um, I think sometimes he plays hero. I think we all get frustrated with that. But I also think that sometimes he understands his role in this whole thing and maybe a new coaching staff, new offensive system help unlock some things. And if you're trading smart, right, you, you trade them for established vets or you, you trade them for draft picks, which I don't think they would do. Like, I think this team doesn't want to get any younger. Uh, you know, the, the popular, you know, uh, idea was smart for the number seven pick of Golden State, number 14. I'm like, well, I don't think Boston wants to have any more rookies right now. I think that we've, you know, talked about ad nauseum how many young guys they played last year and how it was one of the biggest problems they had was they had too many unreliable guys. So either you train him for a veteran presence, which, I mean, what veteran presence are you looking for that's going to be an upgrade from him um, at the point guard spot? I just don't – I don't totally see it. I'm not totally sure if you want to hand the keys to Evan Fournier's lead ball handler. I think Pritchard's a little too young to take that responsibility. So with, with B-Rob here, I think I'm, I'm very uh, in line with it. I just – I think that we – you know, I think that they might owe it to Smart to let him actually start a point guard. They brought in so many other guys – to play point guard over the years and smart's always been like, uh, Oh, I'll cover for that guy defensively by taking his assignment, but I'll also like try and spread the floor. It would be cool to actually watch smart be given the ball. Like he was in college as a lead playmaker and try to make plays. I mean, you go back to his Oklahoma state days. I mean, I know he scored 20 a game, but he also was their lead ball handler. And I enjoyed the Marcus smart, you know, box scores from those days where it'd be like 20 points, eight assists, seven rebounds, three steals, two blocks, and, like, way too many shots. Like, I, I enjoyed watching that guy from afar and, like, wake up the next day and looking at that stuff. I think they could not owe it to 25. him. What's up? Plus 25. Right. I, 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 I just – I think it would be – I think he's an, um, 
there's still more to be maybe unlocked there with him. I think he's gotten better over the years at certain things. And I think if he knows going into the season with a full offseason to prep that he's going to be the starting point guard, I think it might look a little different. I mean, he's clearly worked on things. It's not like he – I mean, his three-point shot was hysterically bad. He was one of the all-time worst volume three-point shooters in the history of the NBA when he first started. So I think, you know, if you give him an opportunity to play that spot, because you know what he can do, right? You know he's at least going to defend his ass off. He's going to space the floor a little bit. Um, he's going to hustle a lot. But there might be one more step to Marcus to unlock. And I think that's, you know, if you'll find out very quickly if you really want to extend him or not based off of how the first couple of months go and how he handles the responsibility. The shot selection still is an issue, though. He has to fully embrace that role because that's something the last couple of years where – it hasn't been a step forward in that front. It's been a step backwards. And I know, and again, some of that has been roster construction and injuries and him being forced into a bigger role. But at the same time, especially late in games, we saw how horrific his, you know, fourth quarter numbers were for, I think, a huge chunk of last year. And yeah, you can, but some of that blame has to go on him. He's not a young player anymore. He has to know what he can do and what he can't do. And when you have a couple of all-stars around you, you can't try to do it all yourself, even when, you know, they're being tightly covered. You have to, figure out ways to to get from the ball or at least know that, you know, going to the hoop is not a good shot for you in that situation. So again, if he can embrace that to your point, Evan, and like, you know, say they give him the keys and say, you're the point guard, like this is your thing, take open threes, create in the pick and roll and just work your ass off on defense. And that's what we need from you. If he embraces that, great. But if he still is trying to get up a few too many shots a game when he's shooting 38% from the field, then then, that might be a point where you say, you know, this is, it's been a, it's been fun, but we're, you know, we can't, we're going to have to move in another direction. Well, we all hear about how great of a communicator Udoka is. Well, this will be the ultimate test. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a good communicator. Stop shooting so much. <laughs> you would Not think hard. like 30, you would think the 18,000 people in TD garden yeah. screaming at Marcus to not shoot. That would be enough. Well, but, but, you know. but, in, but in fairness, he had Brad Stevens all those years telling him to shoot and who's True. you're going to listen to your coach or your fans. Now, if Udoka says, all right, dial it back. He's going to have to, he's not, he's not going to have a choice. You know, Brad was swinging the other way. Brad's telling, you know, like Daniel Tice to shoot more three pointers. Sollinger, baby, keep shooting threes, Sully. It's, it'll be fine. You know, I'm glad you brought up Selinger because I was thinking about this while you guys were were talking and I've, I've done zero research on this. This is just something I'm thinking about now. So I'm, I'm curious what the three of us can come up with. Who's the last Celtics reserve, you know, so not a starter, not like a Jay Crowder last Celtics reserve, like a real, like a real depth guy who's gone on and flourished elsewhere. Um, Baines for two months. Yeah, Baines. Yeah, Baines had a couple of nice months in Phoenix last year. Um, Olenek was, I don't know, it's like, yeah, oh, he but, played pretty well he, in Miami. Olenek was a borderline starter. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm thinking about someone that's like, you know, really like the back half of your roster. And I realize most teams don't have that guy that like either they make it with you or they don't. And they don't go and, you know, like Abdel Nader's had some success, you know, elsewhere, obviously. Terry Rozier. Yeah. Yeah. Terry's a good one. Terry's a good one. I mean, I, I feel like we knew what Terry could be, you know, when, when he was here and, and he's even exceeded those expectations. I, yeah. I didn't expect 20 points a game from him. No, but, but he's not other than consistency. He's not that much better statistically 
than he was when he was starting for Boston when Kyrie was out. Yeah. You know, obviously okay. off the bench, statistically, he wasn't anywhere close to this. In that, those, you know, excuse me, 30, 40 games, whatever that he started, he wasn't that far off from where he is right now. Um, you know, he's, he's probably has a better shooting percentage, uh, you know, across the board. And obviously he's averaging more points and absolutely he's turned into a better player. I guess where I'm going with this is I, Danny's gone. Brad's here, but a lot of the same thinkers are here, you know, and, and it's been a consistent topic in, in shows since this, you know, big transition and Udoka's hiring and all of that. But, you know, the coaching staff doesn't entirely have to do with this. It's the front office and draft and development. And I know they've hired, you know, some new player personnel people and player development people. And, and we'll see, like, it's, it's all just a waiting game, but I, I guess I just kind of wonder, you know, have, have they really, while Danny has hit on some very important picks, like Tatum and Brown could have been, you know, like it, it, it could have been like Dragon Bender, Dragon and, Bender uh, and, 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 and Markel Fultz. Like it, you know, it, it could have gone the other way. So Danny nailed those picks, but some of those later picks, you know, and I'm not one of those Danny's a bad drafter. I think Danny is an above average or was an above average good drafter, you know, like nobody's RC Buford, uh, you know, and, and Danny was better than most. But so many of those guys that they just haven't hit on that, like that, that they hang on to. That's the problem. You know, they like Ojale, maybe Grant becomes one of these guys, you know, Grant Williams, obviously uh, we don't know about Langford or, or Neesmith or Pritchard or like, you know, it's, it's too early, but so many over the years, like Tremont waters. And again, like late second round guy, fine, but, but he's, you know, he already wants out and, and like he tired of getting buried in the G league. Uh, these guys that it's just so rare that these guys really become useful roster pieces. Well, yeah, it's, that's, it's a, it is a problem, you know, with certain guys to get playing time. And like the way Brad did is if you don't play defense, like you're not going to get a lot of playing unless you're in other world. That was the thing with Neesmith. Neesmith couldn't chew and he couldn't play defense yet. So it was like one of those things where, you know, if he's one skilled, you know, shooting, isn't falling and he's not, he's getting lost on defense, then you're going to be totally screwed. So, um, you know, the, those guys have, they've taken shots at guys just hasn't worked out. And, and that's for the majority of NBA teams, it's how it goes. But for like the Milwaukee Bucks, who were the, or like every once in a while, you get a Frank Kaminsky game six where Frank Kaminsky keeps your team in the game for a little bit. And then right. there's Bobby Portis in the other end. So it's like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't always work out that way. Depth's really important. Some guys are going to have great games in, in big spots. So, you know, I, there is got to be some focus on that at some point, but they, you know, they're going to have one shot at it maybe with a second round pick this year. We'll see. And then there's Grant and there's, there's Neesmith. There's going to be, you know, we'll see if they, if they really give Romeo Langford like the ball in summer league and let him actually facilitate as a playmaker. I'm really excited to see that, Um, you know, but there's, there's only so much ball and time to go around. And as you get to the playoffs, like those rotations shorten and and it's really the guys can really count on. So, I mean, you talk about depth guys and, you know, they've had, they haven't hit on those, you know, very rarely. And again, this past postseason that you had more than usual because you didn't have the normal people in the finals. Um, but like normally those depth guys in the bench end up not really mattering a whole lot anyway. So, you know, to, to that point, like how much do you need to hit on those? I mean, you not ever, the, the, Every, every once in a blue moon, you get Nikola Jokic and you find an MVP candidate in the second round. Like that's never happens ever. It's what, twice Moses Malone and, and, and Nikola Jokic are the only two it's ever happened with. So um, it's, it's, 
those those picks matter, but I mean, if to your point, Adam, nailing Tatum and Brown at three overall instead of taking Dragon Bender and Chris Dunn, um, you know, sets you up in a good spot as well. So I mean, it's the the roster construction of this team will be very interesting. And, and what is most interesting to me is the development of guys over the offseason, the real offseason. I mean, the, the problems that we're talking about might not even be problems with the way you know Neesmith finished up. Um, very encouraging. Shot like what fifty percent from three over the past couple of games. Uh, in the regular season, I'm not talking like three or four. His his last sample size was very good. You know, Pritchard was excellent to start, got hurt, and then you know was up and down the rest of the way like rookies go. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe those off season developments will actually you know bring them closer to to real rotation players versus having fringe guys that you know on a good day they're great, on a bad day they're miserable. So I don't know. Tough spot. All do we right, have so any with with yeah. B Rob though? I have a question with B Rob. Do we have any? Update on the GM position. Do we have any, uh, you know, all we know is Allison Feaster and Landry Fields are are potential candidates here. I haven't heard anything else besides that. Yeah. So last I checked on that, that's nothing's really changed on that front. It's obviously nothing's going to change before the draft. I think what happens after the draft. Is that weird to you? Do you find that weird that they don't have a real GM in place when the draft's a week away? I find that kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that they just feel confident with everyone in place there. Uh, under Brad, Brad's obviously worked with the group for years. Um, and I do think he has interest in, you know, maintaining people in the group. Yeah, there, there's, there's whispers that obviously for a while that he's going to bring some, some new voices in maybe is it to complement that group or is it to replace people in that group? I don't know. That's not clear yet. Um, but my guess is that will become more clear, um, either later this summer or perhaps maybe they'll go with this group for this off season and then make some changes in season. We'll see. Well, and also like when Westerholm was with us last week, he was looking up some of the, you know, I think it was Westerholm that was looking up the titles of of some of the members in the Celtics organization. The, t- the titles are just nonsense anyway, you know, to to some degree. Like it, to say that Darren's is ridiculous. It's like yeah, the like, general counsel, right? Like to say the Celtics don't have a GM. It, I mean, it's true in name, but. They have Zarin, who could be. They have Stevens, who could be. Like it, these guys are both at that level, so it's you know, like they have they have the minds. It's yeah. it's just like like B Rob said, it's it's complimentary voices. You know, it, if if in fact they add anyone in the first place, exactly. And so again, all that should become clear. I think you know, perhaps sometime later, somewhere. Certainly, I would be surprised if we see any kind of changes on that front in the next um, you know, with the draft a week away, obviously. All right. Well, like B Rob said, drafts approaching. We didn't really even get into Olympic basketball, but that's going to start off this weekend, just a couple of days away. U.S. and Jason Tatum, Ime Odoka, part of the you know the brain trust there. Anyway, they'll taking on uh, at least I. Well, actually, he was in Vegas. Did, do we know if he went to Tokyo? He did. He did. Okay, perfect. So he's there. He's part of this whole situation under Popovich, and uh, you know the 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 chase for gold is on, even with uh, Javale McGee on the roster. Starts against France on Sunday. I I don't necessarily have the highest of hopes, but we'll find out. And uh, honestly, a lot of you people out there listening right now, um, you know, gold medal isn't going to affect whether or not you sleep at night. It's more about what the Celtics do. And right now, big off season ahead, and it's already underway. So once again, the show. Powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. B-Rob, you can find him on the Winning Plays podcast. You can find him on Mass Line. You can find him on the Sports Hub. You can find him occasionally joining us here. We always appreciate it, pal. Thanks, Harry. This is fun, boys. All right. Well, take care of that family and little Z-Rob, and uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll catch you again soon. Ed, catch you next time. Deuces. Deuces.